In July 2020, tens of thousands of passionate and committed people from around the globe will convene in San Francisco and Oakland at the 23rd International AIDS Conference. This gathering among the world's largest conferences will happen during a critical year when global goals for the fight against HIV AIDS come due. In 2020, the conference comes back to sacred ground in the Bay Area, a front line in the fight against HIV after 30 years. In this podcast, we'll be talking to a diversity of inspiring guests. They have been and remain at the very forefront of the ongoing fight against HIV AIDS, both at home and abroad. My hope is that the partnership and plans built for and throughout AIDS 2020 will stick around and continue on a road towards scientific, social, and political progress. In this episode, we spoke with Helga Ying, She was appointed in late 2018 by the International AIDS Society to head its local office and preparations for the AIDS 2020 conference. She is pivotal to building engagement in the Bay Area across all sectors, people living with HIV, activists, health providers, academic researchers, and the corporate sector. I'm Andrew Schwartz. I'm Steve Morrison. And I'm Sarah Allender. This is AIDS 2020. Helga, thanks so much for being with us today. I'm delighted to be here. Let's start with a personal question. You're a longtime resident of the Bay Area, and we'd like to get some of your reflections looking back. You were a witness to the crisis period when the HIV epidemic first appeared in the early 80s. Tell us a bit about that. 30 years ago was the International AIDS Conference last held in San Francisco. Uh, in 1990, a very turbulent period. As you are standing things up in anticipation of July 2020, uh, what are you discovering in terms of the popular memory among those older citizens that you're encountering who are familiar with this special history of the Bay vis-a-vis HIV-AIDS? We're excited about the fact that um, the International AIDS Conference is coming back to San Francisco and the Bay Area after 30 years. But um, what makes it unique this year is it's going to be held concurrently both in San Francisco and Oakland. Um, In terms of your question, Stephen, um, first of all, I've lived in the Bay Area for more than 25 years and watched as the AIDS crisis has transformed. Um, in the San Francisco, we know things are getting better. They have a campaign to get to zero with um, zero new HIV-AIDS infected cases is the goal that they are trying to reach. In Oakland, it's a whole different story. Um, there is still some disparity in inequities. Um, the rates of new infections are still rising in select key populations, and we still have a way to go until progress is on par with San Francisco. So it is my hope that AIDS 2020 will breathe more life into the place that once was an epicenter of activism around this issue. Older generations have vivid recollections of the 1980s and the crisis of the time. I think all of us were hit hard. We know of folks that have passed away, that have had family members that have passed away in regards to having this disease. Um, particularly in the Bay Area, nearly everyone, as I mentioned, has been touched by this. And several of our current partners are involved with the conference the last time it was held in San Francisco and find it truly remarkable how much has changed since then. 
Meanwhile, younger people hardly see AIDS as an issue. They don't have the same urgent and um, emotional connection to HIV mm-hmm. AIDS as generations before them. I think they don't see this as a life sentence anymore, like it had mm-hmm. been 30 years ago, mm-hmm. but kind of a way of life, essentially. And there is a great distance between them and the crisis, which is preventing sufficient education and activism. So AIDS 2020 will be a homage to the area's history and also a call to action so that we remain on a path to progress, get the youth involved, and to bring an end to the HIV epidemic globally. Tell us what it means to be the head of the local office uh, for the International AIDS Society, and how did you come to that role? Uh, You've been in that role now uh, about six months since the end of of, uh, 2018. Tell us a little bit more about what that means. First of all, how did I find myself in this position? Um, I have a long record and passion in working to reduce the global impact of HIV. Um, I've worked with one of the most supportive figures in U.S. politics, Senator Ted Kennedy, and perhaps the most committed U.S. company, Levi Strauss & Co. Levi Strauss & Co. was one of the first companies to respond to the HIV-AIDS epidemic when it was at the time not even known as HIV-AIDS, but as the gay men's disease. And they were involved from the very beginning. And that is based in San Francisco, headquarters. Levi Strauss's headquarters in San Francisco. Yeah. And one of my proudest accomplishments was getting Levi Strauss and Co. later on um, in the 90s to develop an initiative to make HIV-AIDS treatment available to all of its employees and dependents. So not just its, its employees, but its dependents as well worldwide. And mm-hmm. they became one of the first major companies to do so. Within the business community, I started an initiative in partnership with UNAIDS and the Global Business Coalition on Health to get more than 40 CEOs to sign a pledge against HIV-related restrictions on entry, stay in residence. And on a personal level, I've served on the board of Family Health International, FHI 360, for the past eight years. And in each of these capacities, I've worked with key populations, notably the LGBTQ community, to reduce HIV transmission and improve care and treatment. I've been an active participant in several AIDS conferences, so this position felt like a perfect fit for me, and I'm lucky to be part of a team organizing AIDS 2020. And as I mentioned, this is the first time that the International AIDS Conference will be in two locations concurrently. The duality of this conference makes it like none other, and every day is full of challenges and opportunities. What's also very important is that the Bay Area is a hub for technology and innovation. So we're exploring ways that we can expand our technology capabilities at the conference to increase accessibility, but we're also trying to find ways that technology can help in the response to HIV-AIDS. So we're engaging with all facets of both cities to ensure that AIDS 2020 highlights a comprehensive view of the Bay Area's role in addressing HIV AIDS. Let's talk a bit more about what it means to organize for the first time an international AIDS conference that will bring in an estimated 20,000 people in not one but two cities. By definition, that creates new challenges, right? It creates a level of complexity unlike any other conference, politically, organizationally, logistically. It also creates these opportunities, innovation, and it has 
generated, as far as we can tell, quite a bit of outpouring of interest at the local organizing committee side of all of this. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. As I mentioned, with the conference in both San Francisco and Oakland, we have doubled the logistics and also doubled the opportunity, which is great. Um, But the Bay Area is really home to an unbelievable mix of research, technology, community, and nonprofit work. And so it is really our privilege to be able to draw from this well. The integration of innovation and deep community activism is one of the pieces that will make AIDS 2020 so special. I want to talk a little bit about the local planning group, Mm -hmm. because for every international conference, there is a local planning group that is convened to highlight the conference's host location outside of the conference programming. Currently, the AIDS 2020 local planning group is 150 (laughs) people and counting. Yes, it's pretty incredible. (laughs) The enthusiasm has exceeded expectations, although anytime we mention that there's 150 plus folks involved, no one is surprised. They say this is what the Bay Area is is all about and about what Oakland Mm -hmm. and San Francisco is in terms of the level of engagement. The members of this group represent a vast array of organizations from both cities, and um, just wanted to give you a couple examples. The AIDS Project of the East Bay, the AIDS Legal Referral Panel, um, BART (laughs) and MTC, CalPEP, companies such as Chevron, Gilead, and Levi Strauss & Co., the National AIDS Memorial Grove, the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, and the local Getting to Zero campaign. So I'm just naming a few, but again, as I had mentioned, it's it's quite enormous in terms of the uh, involvement. The local planning group has split itself up into five planning committees. Um, There's a culture, arts, and global village committee, equity committee, scientific leadership committee, community access and engagement committee, and local politics and policy committee. And through these committees, the group is looking at everything from local scholarship funding to visa policy in Washington, D.C., And I want to thank the American Friends Group that you're part of and leading for helping us with some of the immigration issues as well. The folks on the Culture, Arts, and Global Village Committee couldn't be more excited to showcase the rich culture of the Bay to thousands of international visitors, but more importantly, to the public. Because, you know, the Global Village itself is a, a vibrant place where it will be open to the public, where you'll have education and activism and networking and the marketplace and arts and culture involved that is as the public side of the conference that is part of AIDS 2020 itself. After feedback from the AIDS 2020 Conference Coordinating Committee and local community, I'm pleased to say that we will have the Global Village youth program in both conference locations. I think this is extremely important because, as I mentioned, is a unique piece of the conference. It's an opportunity for the public, free of charge, to access AIDS 2020 activities. And so this is just a great opportunity for us and the local community to share and showcase our work around the fight against HIV AIDS. You mentioned Levi Strauss earlier, and certainly since 1990, uh, we've seen tremendous transformation in the Bay Area and so many new companies uh, having their headquarters there, and particularly the big tech firms in, in Silicon Valley. 
Can you talk to us a little bit about the outreach that you've had with those entities uh, thus far and the interest that they are demonstrating in the conference and being engaged in all of the planning and execution? We're having conversations with them. Um, with the conference at this epicenter of, as you say, technology and innovation, um, we have great ambitions for how local companies can support engage with the conference. So we hope um, that we will be able to get an impressive group of local companies involved from you know technological construction like our conference app and streaming to employee engagement and volunteering to of course fundraising and in-kind support. We know that the possibilities are endless. Um, we really do want to tap into the tech companies as they have a lot to offer. And we're already seeing local involvement from companies such as Chevron, Gilead, Kaiser Permanente, and Levi Strauss and Co. So there are some companies already confirmed and involved, and we believe that we're going to um, be able to get more. Um, what do you think become... it'll take to get these big global? They're they're global tech firms, right? And Correct. They emerged really after the worst of the crisis, and they didn't really they don't have a prior record of much engagement on HIV. So. It's an interesting mm -hmm. sort of test of how do you bring them on board and what will be the kind of argument uh, that, that will be most effective or most successful. What do you think? First, we're finding some of the global tech companies have been involved mm -hmm. in the fight against HIV AIDS. So obviously, those are our first low-hanging fruits. I, sure. I don't want to say who, but if you look them up, I'm sure you could find <laughs> well, who they Tim are. Tim Cook from Apple just signed the letter on the Global Fund to members of Congress this week. So, so yeah. yes. So there are a number of companies that have been engaged. Um, I think what will get them more involved is the energy around how they can use their services and technology capabilities to help with not just the conference itself, but to the response um, in terms of HIV AIDS, because they can use some of their you know, expertise, and a lot of them are engineers of apps mm -hmm. and things that can not just help with the conference itself, but help with spreading the word or educating folks or letting them understand their, you know, what they need mm -hmm. um, in terms of their medications through, you know, something as easy as an app. So I think the fact that if there could be some in-kind services in addition to sponsoring the conference itself, we might be able to tap into some of these tech companies in the, in the local area. Do you mm -hmm. think there's any hesitation around around this? Yes, there there is. There yeah. always is. Yeah. And yeah. for me, coming from corporate America for 20 years, you know, it's it's harder because I think lots of companies like to support programmatic and local community mm -hmm. initiatives. Um, and if they're a global company, obviously, then it has to fit their core corporate social responsibility areas. And if it's not health or HIV AIDS related, it could be a, a bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we, we do face that as well. But at the same time, we do think that there is um, a lot of interest and we've had a lot of conversations and, you know, and they keep moving along. So hopefully we'll have more information <laughs> closer yeah. um, to the end of the year. Let's talk about some of the other sectors that I know you're keen to engage and cultivate. There's political leadership. You've made some reference to that, but I think a little more on that. There's the media itself. I know you haven't made that a top line priority, but you've got some ideas around how to engage them. Universities, by definition, are deeply involved in all of this, you could say a bit more 
mm-hmm. about that. And then, of course, the faith community has always been terribly important, and is there's no exception in the in the Bay Area. So we've been lucky to find many outstanding partners in the Bay Area. Universities, as you mentioned, Stephen, are playing a large role in conference and local planning. UCSF comes to mind, um, is very well represented in leadership of the AIDS 2020 Conference Coordinating Committee, as well as the local planning group. Uh, They've been pioneers in HIV research, treatment, and Mm -hmm. communications, and we couldn't be happier to have them on board. Um, UC Berkeley also has an impressive presence at the local level. Um, I also couldn't talk about our partners without mentioning local political leadership, uh, particularly Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Congresswoman Barbara Lee. I mean, it ha- she has herself said that she has attended every single international AIDS conference since its inception. So she is passionate and cares about this issue. In fact, they both are. Um, they are both longstanding allies, deeply invested in this work, and for several decades have helped to secure, as you know, HIV-AIDS funding for their home districts and other care research and prevention initiatives, such as expanding access to Medicaid for people with HIV-AIDS and increasing funding for the Ryan White Care Act. So they've been already so involved. We, by just as an aside, I mean, Barbara Lee came on for for a podcast here, and, and we've seen her in action in many of these conferences. So, And we're so, Huge so delighted to have mm-hmm. her as an asset and involved. But it's not just she being involved herself, but her team, you know, mm-hmm. is so invested and involved as well. So it's just so nice to have folks like Tatiana Kalinga mm-hmm. very involved and in, in the other side. In with, Barbara Lee's uh, de- uh, home, um, office, home in office in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side in um Pelosi's office, Dan Bernal, Mm -hmm. who is very well connected and very involved as well. So they are not only helping us navigate a lot of these issues, but they're very involved with the local planning group, too. Mm -hmm. So, But it's not just them. We have San Francisco Mayor London Breed and Oakland Mayor Livy Schaff and our latest and new California Governor Gavin Newsom, all very excited to welcome AIDS 2020 back to the Bay Area and understand all the wonderful opportunities it brings. Mm. And we have the San Francisco and Alameda County Public Health Departments um, with you know great partnerships there involved at the planning in the local levels. And we're excited about, as you had mentioned, a new partnership with the Interface community in the Bay Area. We actually met with the Interface Council and all of them really want to find some way to get involved and bridge the different various interface um, communities, both in San Francisco and Oakland, to do potentially a pre-conference prior to the conference itself. Well, let's go back to Pelosi and Lee for a moment and talk politics. Um, They're just two of many Democrats who kind of dominate the Bay Area uh, political scene and elected uh, offices. Can you give us a kind of a little bit of your impression about whether it's going to be possible to preserve a bipartisan local basis of support uh, for the conference, given that kind of predominance of of the Democratic Party and leadership positions? And then maybe talk a little bit, too, about some of the 
singling out of the region by President Trump around some of the migration uh, issues and um, debate around um, protecting the southern border and any concerns you have about whether an, an escalating confrontation um, is likely to complicate efforts to organize the conference and, and make sure the conference is a success. Well, first, um, just want to reiterate the fight against HIV-AIDS has always enjoyed bipartisan support. So fingers crossed that that still will continue. Um, we all know that PEPFAR, which is the president's emergency plan for AIDS release, um, a global program was started by President George W. Bush uh, to prevent and fight AIDS, has received steady support, regardless of whether a Democratic or Republican president has been in office. And you mentioned Trump. Um, when the conference location was selected, we had no idea that President Trump would announce an HIV-AIDS plan for ending the epidemic in the U.S. in his 2019 State of the Union address. So the battle against AIDS is not necessarily a partisan issue, and we hope that it stays that way. We are excited about our local California support, as I mentioned, um, beyond the San Francisco and Oakland leadership, such as Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Congresswoman Barbara Lee and Governor Gavin Newsom. The Bay Area Caucus and the LGBT Caucus have been strong allies so far, um, led particularly by State Senator Scott Weiner and Assembly Member David Hsu. So local leaders from every corner realize the significance of the conference and understanding it will leave a lasting legacy in the HIV-AIDS world in the Bay Area. So we just hope that everyone still would be vested and interested in this, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. Let's close with uh, your thoughts on kind of two ends of the spectrum. One is what's keeping you awake at night? What are you most worried about? as you look ahead. Are you starting to get just a little sweaty, a little nervous? Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, you tell us a little bit about that and then close with, okay, what gives mm -hmm. you the greatest hope? I mean, you're very optimistic. What's at the base of that? Um, I think the logistics of the conference in two cities is tricky to say the least. Yeah. I mean, it's the first time the mm -hmm. International um, Aid Society and their partners have hosted a conference con in two locations concurrently. Um, but despite its challenges, I couldn't be more excited about that fact. To me, it's not just about the conference too, but also the legacy we're leaving. Mm -hmm. So the goal is not to come into San Francisco and Oakland, hold a successful event, and then pack up our bags and leave for good. And obviously, I won't be packing my Back, so I have a vested interest in not unless things and, go really and lasting, badly. <laughs> lasting an impact here, yeah. If, if it doesn't turn out, then I as well. I will pack my bags. But we do want to make a lasting impact here, and we've seen that in past conferences. Um, for example, at AIDS 2014 in Melbourne, the Australian government pledged to repeal the national HIV criminalization law at the conference. So that's pretty amazing. Yes. Um, in order to host AIDS 2012 in Washington, D.C., um, the United States lifted the 22-year-old travel ban that prevented people living with HIV from entering the country. And in, in Durban, AIDS 2016 refocused global attention on the significant commitments to require to end the epidemic. So my hope 
is that the partnership and plans built for and throughout AIDS 2020 will stick around and continue on a road towards scientific, social, and political progress. On a local level, we just hope SF and Oakland will be able to share and highlight more about their stories and work to end the HIV-AIDS epidemic. But more broadly, we hope that one, tech companies and other non-traditional partners and global reach and brand recognition will come and stay on board in the response long-term and internationally. We hope that community responses, which have always been key to responding to HIV-AIDS, will be valued and respected more, enabling resources to increasingly be directed to strengthen and sustain them. And we hope that political commitments will be called for made and tracked going forward on all levels to address some key drivers of the epidemic, including stigma and discrimination. So those are my hopes um, and a little of my anxieties. You know, it's fantastic that there's such tremendous buy-in locally in the Bay Area and and, um, and globally to, to make the conference a success. But what would be your message to the average American about why this conference is important, you know, why they should feel ownership about having it back in the U.S. Well, my hope is that we will be able to bring in the new generation Mm -hmm. of folks to help us end this epidemic in our lifetime because we see that progress is being made and there could be a possibility that, you know, this could happen. At least we're seeing that in you know, the city of San Francisco. And um, that would be my hope is that we galvanize and get the youth involved, but obviously everyone involved to, to fight this and end this epidemic. One last thought. The, you talked a little bit about media. Um, thinking ahead, I know it's early days, early days on media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I won't press you on like, what have you done? But so much as talk about how significant it is going to be to have a very strong set of relationships with uh, major media for this um, in order to get those messages across that you've talked about and that Sarah's suggesting. It's going to be the first week of July of 2020. It's it's going to be an intense period, right? It's going to be right in the thick of our presidential and congressional and other electoral cycles. It's a week before the Democratic Convention. Right. It'll be held in yeah. in Milwaukee. It'll be five weeks short of the Republican Convention in Charlotte, North Carolina. So uh, having that strong buy-in and the positive messaging and the like, it seems to me it would be from the media, it's going to be a big challenge, and but it's certainly doable. But correct, um, and you know, in every conference, we've attracted more than eight hundred media outlets, yeah. telling lots of stories, and so we plan to um, continue the drumbeat. You know, not just in, in terms of you know what we've already done around community involvement yeah. and activism, but in storytelling, um, and building those relationships with key local, um, not just key local, but key local state and national, mm-hmm. you know, media outlets and journalists who might be interested in telling the story. But, you know, social media can also play a role. So it's not just us trying to build relationships with the media, but also 
for us to have a strategic plan and how we can push out our stories, like this podcast, (laughs) um, like um, our blog stories and our own, you know, Twitter and um, Facebook and Instagram accounts, and be able to spread the word with everyone that who is involved in this conference, whether it's in Washington, D.C. or in, in both Oakland and San Francisco. And you'll have another layer of story that you'll be able to tell because the president's plan on ending HIV by 2030 in the United States and those key 48 southern counties, southern cities for the most part, and rural, southern rural states, seven rural, those are stories that will have evolved to some degree by this time. It's a very important, the first serious revisitation of a languishing epidemic in the United States in years. Correct. So, so your ability again, to sort of I get think those stories out a there. A way to tell all different types of stories mm-hmm. and bring out all different players in, involved. And I do want to thank you, Stephen. I, you, you mentioned how, you know, what, about six months ago, how I was just starting. But I do want to reiterate, it, it actually takes a village. And it, obviously, it's not just me. It's everyone, you know, from Geneva to all of you for, that are part of the American Friends group to the office itself to all our local, you know, planning group folks and the community and, you know, uh, political leaders that are so invested and passionate about this issue that makes my job a lot easier. And I'm just looking forward to working with everyone. So thank you. And thank you. And thank you for your leadership in all of this. Um, We're very grateful. I look forward to supporting you and, and looking forward to a terrific conference. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to AIDS 2020. Please subscribe and write a review wherever you listen to your podcast so that more people can find us. If you want to find out more about CSIS's research on the global fight against HIV AIDS, go to CSIS.org and look for the Global Health Policy Center program page. To find out more about the AIDS 2020 conference, visit AIDS2020.org.